Hey everyone, welcome to the latest episode of Happiness in Humans. Um, today I've, I'm with the amazing Dom um, and I'm going to ask um, Dom to introduce himself. Uh, Dom, over to you. Hi Matt, thanks for having me today. I'm looking forward to the session. Uh, yeah, my name is Dominic McGregor. I'm co-founder of a business called Social Chain, which um, is a marketing, social media marketing company, which I started in 2013 uh, and grew to uh, over 750 staff across the UK, US and Germany and listed it on the Dusseldorf Stock Exchange. Um, and actually in August 2020, I left. Um, and what was, you know, one of the really cool things about Social Chain, which I always remember, is we, we tried to build a family. Um, okay. We built a great, great culture, um, I think. Um, we, and we brought in, um, I think, the first ever job title of someone to be called Head of Happiness. That Brilliant. was kind of one of, one of our big uh, things. Um, and everyone's always asked me about where did, where did that role come from? Why did you start it? Um, and I go back to the point when we decided we needed to hire someone for this role. We were a bunch of 21-year-olds, 22-year-olds in a room thinking, OK, who do we need in this company? Um, and, our, and our logic and our heads went to, well, we need to make someone make sure someone is in this company to make sure everyone's happy. If everyone's yeah. happy, they'll do a better job. Um, so that kind of began our quest of finding someone to uh, be our head of happiness and be responsible for protecting our culture and values uh, in the business. I love that, Dom. And um, before we get before we get, get into all that sort of stuff and, and what you're up to now, what uh, a personal question, what, what makes you happy? That's a good question. It's something I've really looked at a lot over the last couple of years. And I think um, I kind of learned by elimination, yeah. <laughs> which, which is a bit of a strange one to go. At. I don't know if you've heard that one before, but um, I love you that. Know, we'll, we'll talk about it. But um, thankfully, I'm in a situation where I'm, I'm quite secure financially. But that didn't change my life. That didn't make me happy. I found a lot of uh, miserable things there. Um, alcohol, party, and all that kind of stuff didn't make me happy. Um, what does make me happy right now is spending time with friends, family, um, doing playing games. I spent Father's Day with my family no. yesterday, just, just playing uh, board games. Um, spending time with my dog. I'm I'm absolutely infatuated with my my little puppy. Um, what's your course, what's your what's your little puppy called, Dom? Bonnie, she's an uh, incredible, incredible cockapoo. I absolutely adore her. She's just the best. Love it. Um, and obviously, my, my girlfriend. I've got an incredible girlfriend who um, I, I do actually really love um, spending time with. It feels like I was forced. No, she's she's not here <laughs> with me. Uh, no, and you know, I do I do get, get enjoyment from um, discovering new things and traveling. I think I get a real passion for that as well. Dom, it's a kind of a personal question, more from me to you actually, because. I've sort of been on a similar journey. I've sort of built up a digital marketing agency, sold it and moved on. How much, um, how much of your own personal identity would you say is still associated with social chain? The reason I asked that is you sort of, like you, it's a year, I think you said, since you've left. Do you, do you, do you still identify strongly with social change? Do you feel like you're building a, a separate identity to it? Like where, where does your own identity sit with social chain and, and, and so on? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. And what I do think about quite a lot is that, you know, when we were 20, we started the business when we were 19 years old. Um, so when you build a business alongside your age and growth, you know, that's the only thing you're known for. So, of yeah. course, you know, at that point in our lives, we were just known as social chain guys. Yeah. Um, and that became our entire identity and kind of what um, kind of gave us a, kind of gave us a foundation of who we are today. You know, I always looked back at social chain as like my education. You know, I learned a lot there. 
Um, but of course, you know that that the the brand was fantastic. The business was great. We had some incredible t- team members. So of course, you know, I'm honoured to be associated with it. Um, but uh, there comes a point at the end where, you know, I'm I'm 27 when I left the business. It, it wasn't yeah. hopefully going to be the going to be the whole of my life. So over time, you need to start doing more to um, de- not break the connection, but you know, be known for other things as well. Yeah. No, I think it's I, I, the reason I ask is because I remember. I kind of started get I started getting annoyed being called Matt Four P's like it was my surname. And... <laughs> yeah, Dom. I got Dom from Social Chain a lot. Yeah, um... and it's cool. It's a compliment, isn't it? But also, yeah. I think there's a the reason I'm going down this route is there is a link between happiness and identity. So I was just I was curious to understand understand that from your perspective. Yeah, and, and completely, and you know, it it does take you a bit of time to realize that you know your identity isn't just defined by. You, you, what you, your first business or anything else that you know you need to have some other things that you stand for so yeah i mean it, it's great and it's such an honor and it's such a privilege to be uh have such a great business but um yeah i, I feel i feel like i'm more than that and don one of the things where when i noticed you guys is i think it was when you got a happiness person because obviously i'm like zoned in to think of anything happiness <laughs> But I remember checking out Social Chain and what you guys were doing versus we were sort of coming to the end of our journey of an agency. And one of the things I reflected on is how much um, people people in Social Chain and your competitors that were maybe like coming after us 10 years later who who use personal brands so much. Is that is that a conscious decision or is that something that there's, I'm guessing there's probably 10 years age gap between me and you just looking at your profile on LinkedIn. Do you, for entrepreneurs like yourself, is that a conscious decision or is that because you've just, you, you've just grown up with Instagram and Facebook that, that because that's what you did in any life, you do that in work life, or is it more of a conscious decision where you're like, there's these wicked tools here that can help us build our business. That's a good question. I think, you know, we've probably bridged, bridged the gap between now where people see it as fundamentally important to business and our kind of growth curve, which it played a huge part in. But, you know, we, it, we didn't start a business with that as a, a strategy in mind. So um, we we were always renowned for owning and operating our own social media accounts. That yeah. was kind of what we got known for. That was kind of the growth um, story we told. Um, and we stood up on stage and we told that story that we, we were the kids that could make anything demolished talked about being on social media. Uh, that translated um, as social media grew and became more important and the rise of influencers to us having to have a, um, a continued best understanding of the platforms. And yeah. the only way to get a best understanding of the platforms is to use them frequently um, yeah. and use them in such a way where, well, you're using them to gain them almost, to kind of get the growth, to create content, to have recognition for our own social media brands for you know yeah. some normal pages we owned owned but also it became a strategy as part of the company um mm. and obviously you know uh, steve who you know is in dragons then he is an individual who um doubled down on that area incredibly before anybody else um but that was that that what he did there and what he's what what he continues to do was grounded in us as principals being making sure that because we're a social media business we need to be the best at it um, yeah. And that comes across all, all walks of life in terms of the content we create, the understanding of the platforms and the amount of time that set us aside in business pitches because we genuinely knew the platforms better because we were living and breathing them all day long yeah. was astronomical. That was yeah. the difference for us in the business. So what started as a con- what may have started as kind of a, a, an overhang from our kind of core business principles 
definitely towards the last three, four years was a strategy in the business to, to separate, differentiate us from others and also be a huge driver of people wanting to work with us. Love that. So you were literally practice what you preach, weren't you? You, yeah, were, you, yeah. were, you were rather than telling people you were good at it, you were showing people that you were good at it. Yeah, I mean, you know, if we've got millions of followers on our Instagram pages and we create about billions of views on social media, no one need, we don't need to prove anything to anyone. Love it. Um, and that's where we're kind of where we came about at it from. So a, a, a related question then to, to sort of this podcast Dom, on happiness and humans. Um, I, I'm very much like you in the, you know, you said on the happiness, like trial and error, you figure out what works and what doesn't work. Two, two things that I found out that, that didn't work for my happiness were alcohol and Instagram. Yeah. So I suppose it's linked to the previous question around, around the business and, and your identity. Because I, I just love talking to entrepreneurs about their identity and their businesses. But so, is he, so alcohol was massively ingrained into the London like media scene that I was in. So accidentally just started drinking five or six nights a week because you're out with either work colleagues or customers. Yeah, that's correct. And, and it sort of grows from there. Instagram, I sort of picked up and then, but by analysing it, I was like, Instagram and alcohol make me unhappy. So I've, I've cut them out. Um, but what, have you got advice for other doms actually that are, are running businesses? Because you can kind of lose yourself in all this stuff. Like, do, do you believe that you can lose yourself in Instagram and everything? Have you got any advice for the sort of the, obviously your, your 10 years, like I'm 10 years ahead and then you guys did it differently. There must be another generation of people that are coming through now. Have you got any advice for that, that generation that are coming through? Yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess when the way you look at it is that I think that um, originality and, and, and uh, innovation always win. So what the personal brand activity was for us, we were in, we innovated. Um, personal brand now is is not going to set necessarily set your part in business. Um, it will be a huge tool and be another marketing channel, but it's not going to be the. So yeah. if I was someone starting a business now, I would look for something. The next thing which is going to differentiate me uh, from competitors. So um, you know, it, it it will just become another. It will become like social media game, just another tool that every business uses. Yeah. Um, it might be a new platform that's an innovation or it might be a new type of content. But um, what, what worked five years ago is for, for us isn't going to necessarily work hand in hand for the next person. Um, yeah. And I guess the kind of wider question there, for me, I see both, both of them as addictions. Yeah. Um, I think you know, the, the idea is you could be addicted to anything. Um, if you overuse it, overconsume it, um, if you become dependent on it, it is an addiction. So um, I think the question I have for both of them is, you know, I've, I've talked frequently about social media and the negative impacts of it, but um, same for both. If, if you feel like you've got an unhealthy relationship with one of them or any of them or, you know, them in general, uh, you need to make a change. So if you've got an unhealthy relationship with alcohol, make a change. If you've got an unhealthy relationship with social media, make a change. Um, again, the, probably uh, the key part is how to identify that because yeah. obviously, the, you know, uh, I'm saying something quite passing passive there isn't it it's quite easy for me to sit there and say that yeah but the, the, the truth is there's loads of there's loads of um notices you can have for for what's causing addictions and what ca- causing you to be not feeling good about yourself so um yeah that would be my advice for both of them i love that dom and the, the reason I, I originally messaged you to do this podcast on on this point right you said something like and and if i've totally um made this up in my brain and invented it just tell me but you said something the reason you highlight stuff like this is because you hope that in work, people don't have to go through a breakdown to identify stuff. 
you were saying yeah. something like you, you could do you remember what I'm talking about? Or have I, yeah, I yeah, no, no, I talk about I, I, I have an idea that everyone's a glow stick, you yeah. know, those glow sticks you have at parties where you have to snap in and they shine. Mm-hmm. That's how I felt, you know, I, I had to break in order to be able to find the best part of me, yeah. Um, but like what I went through in terms of that feeling of um hitting rock bottom, I would don't want other people to share, I don't want yeah. other people to, to be exposed to that, so. I, yeah, as I say there, I try and help and I want to help people identify problems before they come to a breaking point because that. that breaking point, for, you know, I managed to turn it around, but I do probably anticipate there's people who reach that point where I reach and can't deal with it. Um, and in, in my mind, there's, there's, there's a number of outcomes there, um, which I think are very difficult for people to um, accept, you know, that they, that, that, that they might not be able to change an addiction, they might not be able to cope with themselves. Uh, it could lead to areas like suicide. So that's kind of why I, I focus on that point. Yeah. Um, Dom, another thing I just, a, a passion, a lot, the main people who listen to this podcast are HR people, HR directors, learning and development. Yeah. One of the things that I want to ask you about, which I found fascinating, is that in the people love to fall into separate camps, don't they? They're like, they either love Marmite or hate Marmite or whatever the subject is. And, and education is one of those, right? Where you get people who are like anti-university or pro-university and and pro this type of education pro, uh, or, or against that type what i what i found fascinating about you is that you had that classic i've dropped out of uni type thing to start this business that's gone successful but then after you finished that successful business you went back to uni so for me the reason i find your story fascinating dom is you've not you're not trying to like be an extremist on either side you've actually got both examples of both kind of working for you have you got anything to add to that yeah and that's that's a really interesting point is that um i always try to look at things from all sides of the argument um and you know why why there is a lot of questions around university specifically um there's huge value in it still uh for a lot of people you know i think for for me from this perspective you know i i have gone in the mindset of you know wanting to 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 not right now study history I want to kind of channel my passion into something constructive. But secondly, mm-hmm. I, I need to improve my writing skills. Um, you know, I didn't do much writing when I was at Social Chain. I, I want to get better at writing things. Um, so that was part of it, being able to construct and analyze arguments. So for me, I think it's a great um, ability to, to, to learn skills and continue to grow. Uh, yeah. Again, you know, um, I do think if I was an 18-year-old faced with a choice right now in the world we live in, I would look at apprenticeship um but there's benefits for, for everyone at every stage of life to to be passionate about learning and development yeah um, however that's delivered it be it's through an apprenticeship or be a training at work or be a university everyone should keep their eyes open for what's best for them i think not, that, sh- not shut off doors that's the bit that i want to capture dom that you've said there is that that you try and see things from other people's perspectives because so many people see it from their perspective and then assume that that's the best route have yep. you is that is that something you've developed and learned or is that have you always been like that um it's a good question um i'd love to say i'm always like that but i think probably when i was younger i was a little bit more black and white uh so yeah. to say um it's definitely something where you know life experience now is kind of giving me a much broader horizon when it comes to um outcomes like this so yeah i think it's definitely definitely more learned than it is in it is nature yeah i was a very different person at 16 yeah, and we're, and as as we all should be. <laughs> which yeah. <is> <laughs> um, 
John, question on happiness, right? We, when we first, in our agency, 4Ps, we, when we started embedding happiness, the biggest mistake that, that we made was to make happiness a target. Yep. Um, and the reason I describe it like that is because we're the happiness index, sometimes people think that we're like pro-happiness, and we are pro-happiness, but we're not pro-toxic positivity, right? As in yep. walking around the office telling people to cheer up. So yep. you can take, you take us back. You're sitting in that room, and you're like, what should this role be? This is all about happiness. You... You intuitively get from what you described on what we have to train a lot of people on, as in, you know, that that's important to people. But take us through that journey of hiring someone into that role. Was it um, did it did it last? Did it work? What were what were the pros and cons of of having someone in a happiness role? Yeah, I mean, that's that's a good question. So uh, the interview process was probably the most rigorous we've ever seen for a role. Really? Uh, What's what's rigorous? What's rigorous? Uh, just like so many people applied and we had so many screenings mm. and so many, so many stages to it that, you know, it felt like um, a little bit like Takeshi's castle, you know? Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, we got, we got hundreds of applications. Um, yeah. So picking some person out of that initially was going to be so, so difficult to find the right person. Um, and we did, we went through a series of rounds. You know, we had the, a lot of people in the team meet the person and we picked someone who I have to say is, is the, if a role was created for anyone on this planet, Head of Happiness was created for Kira Lawler. She oh, was wow. incredible. She was, you know, a, a shining spark in everyone's life of putting other people first, sharing real positivity. Um, and that was kind of one thing which um, I was so happy about is we got the right person. Um, yeah. she, cha- she changed our business completely. She went on to be Director of Happiness and People. She had oh, a team yeah. of pe- people and happiness managers underneath her uh and it was absolutely absolutely incredible she she was incredible and now she's gone on to start a um mental health cafe and uh, a company called feel good club which is yeah. all about exactly what it says you know sharing positivity sharing great stuff so um the work they're all was a huge success the person was a huge success uh she's gone on to go and do great things so she's continued to go and do great things uh and i think throughout the business throughout the business it had a huge impact on everyone uh and helped them achieve what they wanted to achieve um I'm going to ask you to do some free consultancy for all the HR people listening, right? <laughs> um, they, this, this is the group of this is if I, I worked out that I probably speak to about 100 CEOs a year, and I would say uh, it was actually 104, but let's keep the math simple um, when I counted it. But I would say one third of the CEOs that I meet describe happiness how you did. You intuitively got the links to customer happiness and profit and and revenue. One third need to know the numbers, and, and one third just just don't get it so we don't 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 bother with the other bird for a minute the ones that are not going to get it if you um if you were a hr director and you were trying to get your um ceo to understand the important um is is that the taxi reversing yeah it is yeah brilliant we'll leave that (laughs) um so if you're a hr director right big global company you've got a meeting with the ceo tomorrow they don't intuitively get it um, but you know you could get them inside. Have you got any yeah. tips for a HR director on how they could get their CEO to realise that this isn't the fluffy stuff, this is important? Yeah. The main, the main angle here is that you're investing in people. Um, that's why I always look at it from where it was like CEO to CFO. Um, we, we kept saying like, um, why should we invest in the people? Um, and the CFO says, CEO, CEO says, invest in the people, they'll still be here. Um, and it just talks about, you know, people are going to be here regardless. You know, if you're going to, if you hire someone and get them for the part of your company, um, yeah. comes your responsibility to get the best off, best from them. 
Um, that, that obviously comes from a skills and training aspect. We all know that people are much more productive and much more um, invested if they feel rewarded and happy. Um, yeah. And the, the the issue here is that um, for many generations, happiness was, in terms of perception of happiness at work, I feel it was linked to remuneration. Um, yeah. And people thought the only way to give people happiness at work was through financial incentives. Yeah. However, um, some of the biggest things we did in the company were free. Um, it yeah. doesn't take it doesn't take money to make people happy, um, and that's probably the, the big thing I'd see from a CEO perspective is, um, yes, yes, you're going to cost, you're going to get a much better outcome if you do invest in people and you do actually put your, your you know a real considered strategy here. But there is a lot of things you can do which will have a big impact that don't cost a lot of money. Um, yeah. So when people ask me about social change and how we did it, of course, you know, of course we had a happiness budget. That was something which we have a line which was a happiness budget. But yeah. um, as a small company, as a small enterprise, you do a lot of things for free. It doesn't stop, yeah. um, you know, the whole aspect of um, a smile doesn't cost, being nice doesn't cost. All these things are true in, in business that you can do some fundamental things to improve people's happiness that don't cost a penny. Dom, um, we, we collect data from over 100 countries, right? The, the most beautiful piece in the data is the number one driver of happiness you've you've sort of mentioned up to do with yourself is relationships. Yep. Um Knowing that piece of data now, um, does does that does that bring to mind any stories in in your story about the importance of relationships that maybe you understood, misunderstood, or is that something you you just intuitively knew when you were running your business? Did you think about the importance of relationships at work? I think it's probably something we just we just happened. I think it's something again. You know, I look back and there's a lot of great coincidences, a lot of great great fortune by uh, us just doing things that we thought we thought were right without any real ground in any data and i think the relationship piece was one of it you know we could, we wanted to create someone which was a family because we, we were 20 20 year olds away from home so we wanted to create an office where people felt they had to leave because everything was there on site uh, yeah. because we because we wanted that because we had um because we, we spent a lot of time there so in doing so we attracted people who were like-minded and we attracted people who wanted to have that those kind of things and that bred more time together, more socialising, more friendship. Um, and at one point, you know, everyone was best friends with each other. Yeah. Uh, and that kind of community aspect and re- genuine family of the company stayed. Yeah. Um, and that was something where, you know, in your early 20s, I look back at Friends, you know, the TV show, where it's that, it's uh, obviously, you know, it's about that time in your life when you're friends with your family. Yeah. So that was what social tone was. It's that time yeah, in your that. life when, you know, maybe your company was your family or your friends with your family, whatever it was, but we felt like a genuine family. Yeah. especially to me and the people so like that was something which we did by mistake not by, yeah. by, ch- by chance you know it wasn't a big strategy about how we can make everyone friends it was just something that we believe is the right thing to do and yeah. paid off yeah one of one of the it's one of the stats i can't remember what study it's from is but is the importance of having a friend at work yeah um, yeah and, yeah and people trivialize it they say oh it's not important blah 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 it's the soft stuff but it's, it's there in the hard data like yeah, having a friend at work is important, and that that leads through to performance and financial results. Yeah, so imagine having fifty at work. Yeah, how that feels. Yeah, so that's, um, what, that's what that's what we did. It's amazing, Dom. And just let's let's talk about the future. A couple of things that I noticed you're doing. I mean, when you talked about making the case for happiness, you talked about like invested in people. I think I saw that you might be getting involved in an advisory role on on the VC front. Is that right? Yeah, so I'm doing a bit of advisory work for, for companies, uh, for a VC who are investing in a lot of companies in the Northwest, um, including some of my own investments as well. So um, for me, you know, finding companies which 
and CEOs whose visions from a company perspective I align with, but also from a personal perspective I align with is really important. And being yeah. able to share some information handy. Um, yeah. That's just, you know, doing, I think I'm very honored to have that role. Um, other, part, other parts of the future, uh, today I announced that I'm advising government um, on social media and communications, which is fantastic, which I've really been really doing for the last three months, which I'm really enjoying. Um, and I think, you know, going back to the whole pur- purpose of this this, this, this uh, chat, um, it's probably for me time to continue to, to, to focus down on those things that do make me happy. So spend more time with my dog, spend more time with my girlfriend, uh, family, because the last, you know, eight, eight nine years have been fantastic. But, um, and the whole, you know, the whole cliche of sacrificing your 20s for a better life, I feel is quite true, is that, you know, I've not always been the best at those things, you know, occasions and uh, Christmases and being that presence with my girlfriend. So making the most of those is probably is probably part of the future as well. Yeah, my um, my business partner Dom, um, we always say that that we worked in our twenties and we that we're we're due like really bad midlife crises. And he, <laughs> he's he's just bought a Subaru Impreza. <laughs> Smart, yeah. And he phoned yeah. me the other day, really excited that it's got a tape player, and he's had to go on eBay and buy a tape a tapes and everything. So <laughs> I'm hoping yeah. to hear that there's a midlife crisis crisis coming, Dom. <laughs> Hope. Um, Dom, if we just um, if just one last question to to sum up, um, because really I think it's really important to sort of mentor the the next people coming through. Uh, we talked a little bit about um, someone that's seventeen or eighteen listening to this podcast, but yep. how would you how ha, have you got any tips on balancing things? As in, someone starting their career now and they want to work really hard um and progress and so on but we don't want to end up as you say with people breaking to have to find out the importance of balance and 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 so on and so on have you got any any words of wisdom that we could give to these 17 18 year old people that are starting their careers yeah i mean that's a, that's a great question and i think one of the things that you do have when you're younger is much more elasticity so you do have a much more ability to pull all-nighters and do that kind of stuff yeah um but i would try and find your boundaries you know from a professional standpoint, you know, you may have done it at university and pulled it all night when you're responsible, but you know, when you're at work and environment, nothing is not that important that it can't wait longer. Um, yeah. but obviously, you know, you, you'll know yourself better. Um, when it comes to kind of other things like drinking, I think probably one to touch on is that again, you know, you need to have a boundary, you need to, to ask yourself what's right for you and not what's acceptable across other people. Social yeah. pressure is one of the biggest reasons people continue to drink. If he doesn't agree with you, don't do it. Um, yeah. Don't put yourself in those situations where you're damaging yourself or you're putting yourself in danger. Um, it's just not worth it. So, yeah. you know, find out find out what where your body sits, what's right for you, and um, make sure that you, you do protect that at all costs. I think that's having that as a non, non-negotiable standpoint is really important for people. Dom, I'm not going to ask you any more questions because I think that is that, that last bit about making that a non-negotiable standpoint is the place where we should end it um thanks man no i agree <laughs> so let's leave it there dom thank you so much for your time and on behalf no of the listeners, we've all learned so much thank you thanks buddy speak to him cheers dom